Hi guys, and welcome back to the Becoming Her podcast with your host, Victoria McHugh, and welcome to 2024. I am so excited to bring you guys season two of the podcast. This season is going to be still focused on the healing journey, life, becoming her, reinventing yourself, and also hearing from some incredible guests and hearing their story of transformation and where they got from where they were to where they are now. And I'm really excited to welcome my very first guest of the new year, a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, also a business partner of mine from the UK, Rebecca Christian. So just a little bit about Beck. She is honestly incredible. You guys are going to love her story. It is wild. We laugh. We banter. It's so good. And just to tell you a little bit more about her is, you know, Beck has a story of overcoming childhood trauma, multiple toxic relationships. She talks about a marriage that started and ended within a year and how she embarked on the most epic becoming her journey. Um, today, Beck is um, a multi-entrepreneur. She's a business coach, an NLT, NLP practitioner. She's a timeline therapist, as well as a wellness advocate and a podcast host and so much more. So you guys are going to love this. I'm really excited. The conversation goes everywhere, which way, where, and I just really can't wait for you guys to give me your feedback on this episode. So please enjoy. So everybody, please welcome my beautiful friend and one of my business partners all the way from the UK, Rebecca Christian. Hi. I am oh, yes. I'm so excited to chat to you. Um, as I said in my intro, Beck is just one of those people that I didn't realize I needed in my life. And we just spent a couple of weeks together in the UK when I went over and our conversations were so beautiful and so thought provoking. And she has such an incredible story of becoming her and the reinvention and all of the things. So I'm so excited for you to be on the Becoming Her podcast and for all of our listeners to hear your story. So let's take it back and get to know you a little bit. Tell me about you and your upbringing, all the things that made you who you are today. Well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me on here, Vic. It's an absolute honor. Um, I just love watching you, your journey, your stories. You are so inspiring. So yeah. So gosh, my story, right? So going back to probably when I think about defining moments for me, it was probably when I was around 16 and that was when my gran passed away. So that was my mum's mum. So growing up, I my dad was always in and out of my life. My mum and dad have never really been together for as long as I can remember. And at that point, my stepdad came into my life at the age of three. So up until probably the age of 16, I had a very happy childhood. You know, things were good. My grandparents tend to look after me um, quite a lot because my mum was at the time a single parent. But then obviously she met my stepdad and she always had two jobs. So fast forward to the age of 16. That was when my grand passed away. She passed away at 65, which is quite a really, quite a young age for a grandparent. And at the same time, my stepdad became an alcoholic and had an affair on my mum. Wow. So it was quite a 
tough time. I remember starting college and I quit after three weeks because I just, it just wasn't for me. I was always a bit of a money earner and I wanted to, you know, be in the work environment. So I went and got myself a job. Um, I secured a job at the age of 16, but that, that time was a really, really difficult time. It was the start of what I can only explain as probably the most traumatic time of my life. And I think living with somebody that has a drink problem is really, really hard. And it was only later on in life that I realized the damaging effects that had because I was living in that environment from being 16 until I was 25 years old. So it was, you know, it was quite a long time. And I just remember being up in Manchester because obviously I lived in the UK, well, I do live in the UK and I was up in Manchester up north. And I always remember thinking there has to be more to life than this. Like, I'm not here for this, you know? This is not what... I see life for myself because as a child growing up, I was always quite creative as I was obsessed with Disney. I was always about the fairy tale and, you know, people used to say I used to live in cuckoo land and, you know, but that was, that was my vision at such a young age. And I think going through all of that at that time, it really knocked it out of me completely. Did living with an alcoholic, how did what was that like every day? I mean, I'm sure that so many listeners have been exposed to it. They've had a family member or a friend who has addiction. It doesn't have to necessarily be alcoholism. It could be many different forms of addiction. And what was that like on a day-to-day basis for you? It was, gosh, do you know, I used to come home from from school or work you know whatever time it was it was kind of the crossover when I left school and started work and I just never knew what I was going to come home to Mm -hmm. now at the time when you when you think of the term alcoholic you think of somebody wake up waking up in the morning drinking all through the day and that's not what alcoholism alcoholism is or being being an alcoholic he was basically a functioning alcoholic so he would go to work every day, you know, he would always provide and he would, you know, come home. And I always remember like every time I put the key in the door, I just wasn't sure, is he going to be too far gone? Is he going to be absolutely wasted, you know, to the point? And it was living, it was like living on eggshells mm-hmm. every single In like that fight or flight, survival, chaos, just fear probably as well. Yeah, all of that. And so how did that affect your relationship with your mom or did it affect that relationship? Because obviously, you know, it's it's interesting because when we are children, we think of our parents as these, you know, higher people and we feel like they're, they can do no wrong. And then we become adults and we're like, oh my gosh, I really don't know how my parents did it. I couldn't imagine trying to handle all of these things at our age. Um, and did was there a moment where you had to reevaluate that relationship? Like, how could this person be brought into my life? And uh, you can go into as much or as little detail as you want. But I think that that's a really important thing to talk about because we become the adult and realize that we don't get everything right and we don't know how to handle everything. It's a really interesting point because I remember being at that age, and you know, he was he was quite abusive mm-hmm. never to my it was never to my mom um and she was aware of certain things you know that had happened but I can honestly say it never affected the relationship with my mom and I but that was because 
at the time, Vic, I blamed myself for a lot of it. I blamed myself. I thought I deserved that type of behavior towards me wow. because um, I think just looking back, I think I, I didn't have any confidence after th this period of time. And I think my my approach to it, my like safety mechanism, if you like, or I was I was always quite cocky at that time. I mean, I was a 16 year old. Mm -hmm. I had an opinion, I had a voice. And I think it was my way of kind of protecting myself that if, if I was to stand up in a way where and show that I wasn't scared or show that it wasn't hurting me or damaging me in any which way. And then because of my attitude, if you like, that was what then was reflected back at me. And it was like, I was punished for my behavior. And at the time I believed it. I thought, what kind of person am I? I'm the one that provokes him. I shouldn't be doing that because I know I did. Mm -hmm. But again, I think knowing what I know now and obviously going through my own journey of it, I think looking back, I think I was just a scared little girl that kind of had this attitude on her because it was her protection. Because living in that environment, I didn't feel protected. There was only me that would protect myself like nobody else did, even though they witnessed it. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. And like, thank you for being so vulnerable and so honest. This is what, you know, this podcast is about really helping people understand or maybe them going through a similar situation and so I really appreciate you and I just I think you're so amazing and sort of looking at the woman that you are now versus what you've you've come through is just so inspiring and I'm so proud of you um so I want to talk about your first relationship you were in a long-term relationship quite young and whether or not the relationship that you were in for that period of time, whether there was anything that trickled into the relationship based on what you had to go through in those teenage years, because they often carry in as we know, and as we talk about all of the time. So tell me about that first kind of relationship and feeling of love and what that looked like for you. This is really interesting. So when I was 14, that was when I had what I call my first proper boyfriend, you know, so I was with him four years so 14 till I was 18 and then him and I broke up because we just we were going down different paths and then I instantly met somebody else and this was the first like toxic relationship that I was in and that was eight years now when I look back at my previous relationships I'm going to be completely honest here it was like I was craving this male attention which and, is quite normal now, as we know, through the work that we've done, very normal yeah. to, you know, either want what you didn't have or go for what you did have. And it could be a good or a bad thing. So that's very normal to crave that safety, that security, that masculine energy. That's exactly what it was. And it was like I, I wasn't comfortable being on my own. You know, the thought of being single, like absolutely filled me with dread. And it was just something that I never experienced. And so when I was with this guy for eight years, I mean, let's just say I was in with the wrong crowd. It wasn't a good relationship. It was very up and down and he was in with the wrong crowd. I don't need to say any more other than that. Um, and the circles that I was like moving around with, I just knew that this was not the way I felt. I, I didn't ever felt like I fitted in. Like I just knew it wasn't my life and I find I think by being attached to him because because with my stepdad scenario and especially my dad not being in my life and like growing up really I feel like 
I didn't know whether I was coming or going. So I was constantly, like you said, living in this fight or flight response. Now, even though it was an uncomfortable place to be, that is what I was used to. That is what I was programmed to be susceptible to. So when I was meeting my next partner, for example, I mean, fair enough, I was 18, I was still a, a kid, but it was like I was attracted to the up and down, like is it chaos? Yeah, mm-hmm. and we do get attacked, like we get um, attracted to it because we don't know any different because that has been our life for mm-hmm. so long. Our nervous system is accustomed yeah. to that. You know, and you that probably role. felt quite safe in the chaos, and if things felt normal and calm that's when you would possibly self-sabotage or you would think that something was wrong and it's crazy what what that carries through yeah exactly that and I always remember and I I think I was with him for so long because he had a very close family so we had brothers and he had a mum and dad that were still together and they did have a drink you know but it was fun there was no fighting there was no abuse there was no you know shouting screaming they they could have a drink together and have a really good time and I think that's what I kind of attached myself to because obviously I grew up with alcohol in a way that was bad and it was it was just not a nice experience where being in this environment where they had that family unit they played family games at Christmas they did boxing day buffets and they included me in that I went on holiday with them and I remember sat there thinking gosh I've never had that secure family unit like don't get me wrong my mum is my absolute world and she's my best friend you know to this day but looking back I think that is why I stayed in that environment for so long because like you said it's that being in the chaos but comfortable and feeling safe in the chaos Mm, that's so interesting and I think it's a really good point for people to recognize in whatever situation they're in like are you staying with someone because you want to be with them and you're compatible with them and you love them and they treat you right? Or is it for external things? Um, Mm. The family unit, the job, the, you know, something else. And we have to make sure that we're staying for the right reasons and recognize those. No, absolutely. And I just think environment plays such a vital role in anything and I think because I was in such an environment and the people I surrounded myself with I didn't know any different bit like I didn't know any different until I got to that point I was 25 years old and I could not physically stay in that environment like I always remember taking the dog for a walk and it was this place called Werner Flow and it's in Manchester and it's a massive country park and you get to the top of this hill and you see the whole of Manchester and probably further And I always remember that moment sat there thinking there has to be more to life than this. And there was just this pull that I had inside of me where I thought I I need to get out of here because this is not going, this, my life is not going the way I want it to go. And that was when I applied to be cabin crew in London for an airline. And I thought, well, my friend was doing it and she was flying around the world, living the dream. And I thought, what forgot to lose? So I did, I applied. Oh my gosh. I love it. And so you ended that relationship um, after eight years, what what was the biggest thing you learned from that particular relationship? Because you and I are those people. We don't have any regrets. We feel like life happens. We know that life happens for us. Everything's a lesson. What was the biggest thing you learned from that really first serious relationship? I think for me, I think that that one thing, knowing, knowing my worth, mm-hmm. even though I didn't feel worthy, I didn't feel confident, I didn't I didn't like I was literally if you knew me back then you would not recognize where I'm at right now and 
I just think there was just something inside of me that I thought I just have to listen to it. So that's probably the one thing. I mean, now looking back at that relationship, my goodness, I learned a hell of a lot. Mm -hmm. But I think being so young, I mean, 25, it's not, it's still quite young when you've been in that environment. Oh, I I just, I love listening to you. I could listen to you all day. So tell me about the cabin crew. So that was probably, would you agree, maybe like your first sort of reinvention. I'm coming out of this relationship. I'm going into a career in cabin crew for British um, British Airways. What was the what was the what were those years like for you? They were the best three years of my life when I was flying. Like I had the most incredible time. I remember like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was driving up and down the M6, which is like a really busy motorway back up north with my TV in the back of the car for six months because I was like, I'm a staying, I'm a going, I don't know what to do. I was so lost. But when I actually allowed myself to just lean into this opportunity and just be like, what what will happen? What would happen if I just continued with it? And I'll never forget, I remember flying um, from Heathrow to Vegas, never been to America before, by the way, before I joined as cabin crew and I remember getting on my well it was on our jump seat coming into land and I just saw Vegas lit up and I was like wow like this is incredible and the whole lifestyle as, as cabin crew and I was meeting some amazing people which are still very good friends of mine today I was traveling the world I was staying in some incredible hotels and I was getting paid to do it I mean it wasn't much don't get me wrong but I thought I thought god this is unbelievable I felt like I was just living a completely different like 360 world it was it was amazing oh were you always did you always want to do something like that I mean I know that you had that sort of moment where you were like I'm going to go to London and become a cabin crew but had you ever thought about it before what what was the career path that you were on prior to that never thought about it before ever I thought being cabin crew serving tea and coffee juice or water all day stuck on a metal tube is the worst job in the world how could anybody ever do that honestly that was that (laughs) I mean to be honest sometimes I do think that when I'm on a long-haul flight I won't lie um but I can understand the lifestyle and there's a pros and cons of everything of course yeah so when I was in Manchester I actually worked for the NHS so I was working for the NHS when I was 16 till I was 25 and I naturally just worked my way up the corporate ladder and it was just admin. I was a PA for one of the directors there. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a great, you know, great times, great family. I learned a hell of a lot, but it was very much routine. So from going from a Monday to Friday, nine to five, commuting into Manchester every day, to then becoming cabin crew and working these hours that are just mental and time zones and God knows what else. It was a massive, massive shock to my system. Like, don't get me wrong. I felt dead for the first six months because obviously the time zone and trying to work through the night. Um, so yeah, it was a massive career change. And I would love to say that I wanted to explore the world and move to London and do all of these amazing things. But I'll be honest, Vic, I just wanted to escape. Mm-hmm. I just wanted out. I wanted, I, I wanted to be free from that pain I was living in. And I would have done anything. I would have moved to London and worked in a Costa coffee shop. Like I would have done anything. Well, I feel like it put you on the greatest path um, to meeting okay so let's go into the fun stuff meeting um your next relationship tell us about that I mean I was when we caught up in London and I I was really getting to know you I was shocked at this part of your life and I'm so excited for you to share so tell us about your next relationship well this (laughs) this one was a whirlwind and do you know when people talk about mirror work 
and mm. being faced with whatever's been going on for you, like shadow work, like that was it. That was my, oh gosh, where do I even start with this? So I, I was single for three years, you know, flying around the world as cabin crew. Don't get me wrong. I went on a few dates here and there, but never materialized into anything more than that. And I remember meeting this, this guy and instantly there was, something felt different with him. I felt like I'd known him forever, but there was this magnetic pull. I cannot to this day explain what that was. And that relationship didn't last. I say it lasted about, I'd say just under three years. So we started dating. He was in the in the military mm-hmm. and he became very, I don't want to say obsessed with me. That's not the right word, but he was very attached and he wanted to see me all the time and he wanted to take me out all the time and he wanted to do and plan life with me. And at the time I was kind of taken aback because I've never had anybody, like my past relationships have always never really wanted me you know and they've always ended up cheating or they've ended up doing you've been the one like initiating everything and putting more of the effort in and now somebody's turning around and like treating you like a princess exactly that (laughs) it can be yeah so obviously this went on and it was like my goodness like this guy really he likes me like he wants to spend his life with me I've never heard anybody want to do that with me and I felt this this place of feeling wanted Again, looking back, I feel like this is because of my past and the trauma that I was holding on to that I did not even know, like knew existed. But this was the absolute making of me. Like if I could say any defining moment in my life, this would be it. So we went on our journey. It moved very, very quickly. There was red flags at the beginning, don't get me wrong. I remember sat there thinking, this isn't right. But again, there was just this pull, Vic. And I think it was just because he made out like he wanted me so much and it's like I kind of fell for it you know that moved very quickly now the behavior of him was very strange let's just say like it was very impulsive and we ended up moving in together very very quickly so I was currently renting a room in London with one of my very good friends to this day now he he took me in and I ended up leaving this house, which was a beautiful house. I had everything on my doorstep in Windsor and I took the chance and I moved in with this boy that I'd known for a month. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And everyone was saying to me, Beck, are you doing the right thing? And I was like, don't tell me what to do. I'm a strong, independent woman. And you know, all of this, (laughs) I can can do what I want. But I knew, I knew that like there was something inside of me that knew, but I ignored it because I thought, no, because this could be it. This could be my forever, forever ending. You know, the 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 chapter, the Cinderella chapter that you see in all the Disney films. And honestly, that was that was my thought process. So we moved in together. It was horrific. It was horrific from day dot. I don't know why. I well, I do know why now. Obviously, hindsight's a beautiful thing, right? But I continued to be with him, and then we moved out. We split up. I moved back in with my friend. He went back to the barracks, then he got back in touch and then I ended up moving out with him again. And then I ended up, I was renting an apartment and we ended up getting married. I mean, it's so wild (laughs) because I know you now, and this is just a proof of the work. Like I know you now and you are one of the most intentional, thought out people that I know. Like everything you do is with such thought and understanding and you're a very level-headed 
person. And then when you told me that you just got married, <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, so yeah, we ended up getting married. That marriage lasted less than a year. But the thing is, we didn't tell anybody about it. Like, because basically what the plan was to do was to get married in the UK and then go and have a bit of a wedding ceremony out in New York. That was my dream. That has always been my dream. And we never got there. We never got to that point because what had happened is there was one particular night that he went out and he didn't come home. I don't know whether to share this or not. So I found myself in a place, in a situation that I would never want anybody else to ever be in. So what had happened is he went out one night, he got extremely drunk, he came home, we ended up arguing because he wouldn't tell me where he'd been because, you know, that's, that's another story. He ended up sleeping in the spare bedroom and then they, he's, he left his eye watch next to the bed and they were just messages like popping up like left, right and centre and I've never been one Vic to look at my partner's phone. Like I always say, if you're at that point, what's the point? And when because you do, there is always something there. Always. If you get to the point where your intuition is drawing you, this, as you know, this exact thing happened to me in my past relationship about 18 months before we split up. And never in my 10-year relationship had I ever felt the need to check his phone and the one time that my intuition was, it was, I couldn't ignore it. I was like, I'll just check. He went out all night, didn't come home, didn't message me, turned his phone off, came home, obliterated, checked his phone, messages, 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 messages. And I was like, okay. And that's exactly what happened to you. Like, if you were at that point, there is something going on. A hundred percent. And it was just flashing. So I remember picking up the iWatch it was an iWatch actually, sorry, the iWatch. And I, I looked at these, these messages, but they were pictures of another woman and him sending her pictures. My heart just dropped. I mean, I'm sure every single person listening right now has been here once. I would be very surprised if anyone hasn't had a moment like this in a previous relationship. Oh, Honestly, I think because in my head I was married, I was living in army accommodation I didn't have any money. My job at BA at the time, I was no longer flying. I was actually working an office job. I wasn't on much money. And in my head, I'm thinking, what the hell am I going to do? Like, where am I going to go? Like, and again, it, this comes down now to the whole self-belief because I didn't th feel like I was worthy of ever earning more money than what I was on. I didn't feel like I was clever enough. I didn't feel like I was intelligent enough. I just didn't feel like I could do it. So I felt like the whole world just completely crushed around me. But I wasn't surprised. I just wasn't surprised. And that was the first start of it. And then what happened, we obviously broke up for obviously a little while. He went, because I said I needed some space. So we went off for a little while. Then what happened, we already had New York planned. So this was literally just before Christmas, probably about a week before Christmas. And I'll never forget calling my mum at five o'clock in the morning going, mum, I don't know what to do because I didn't know who else to call. And anyway, long story short, Christmas came and then I was at a place where he was going to be spending Christmas on his own. And I felt sorry for him. Oh my gosh, we always do. It's it's like, it's my fault that you cheated and now you're alone. Oh my gosh, this is, I, I get every second of this story. The exact same thing happened to me. And we feel this guilt and shame and almost like 
we're abandoning them when they did it to us. Exactly that, exactly that. So I remember speaking to my mum and I remember saying to her, do you mind if I bring him home because I don't want him to spend Christmas on his own? And my mum being the person that she is, she said, of course, of course he can come home for Christmas. Now, at the time, my stepdad was still a raging alcoholic. <laughs> Wait, can we just stop there for one second? Did you have, did he explain the messages? Like, what was the explanation? So at first he said it was all in my head. Oh no, the gaslighting. <laughs> oh gosh, the gaslighting is now our fault that you have messages of someone in your phone. <laughs> All in my head. Um, and then he eventually apologised and he said it was nothing more than just messages, you know, the whole thing. Yes. Nothing happened all. And I'm like, well, you know. But at the time, again, I think because I was married, I was like, what the freaking hell do I do here? Do I work at it? Do I, oh, it was just a mess. So we ended up going back home for Christmas. My stepdad got extremely drunk on Christmas Day. And let's just say that we had to drive back home. Hmm. So... It was about three, four o'clock in the afternoon. We didn't even have dinner because it was just ruined. And I always remember my mum coming in and bless her. She had these little Christmas antlers on and she was trying to make a bit of a Christmas festive spirit about it all. And it was just such a horrible time because I'm sat there thinking, I want to spend Christmas with my mum. I don't want to be near my stepdad. I've got to go home with a guy that I don't trust and he's done all of this horrible things. And oh, Vic, it was just my life. I just thought, what is happening here? So... If you're into astrology, by the way, and you're into Saturn returns, that was my Saturn return. And now I know why it's <laughs> honestly. So I remember driving back home, um, my home back then with him. And we had a really chilled boxing day. We put our pajamas on, we watched films. And he was like, I am so sorry. I can't believe I've hurt you. You've been through enough with your stepdad because my stepdad stuff with the alcohol, it wasn't just the drink. It was, there was a lot of stuff in there. Like it was, it was a lot. I'll probably well, I don't know if I'll ever share, but it was a lot. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm really sorry. I'm I'm so sorry I've created this for you. And I want you just to have a nice Christmas and all of this stuff. And he said to me, can we still go to New York and plan the wedding? I don't so know about that. <laughs> in my head, I think I was just so confused. I was so lost. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I had anyone. I know I did. Of course, I've got amazing friends. I've got my mum, but I'd never felt so lost in all of my life. And, and I think there comes a point as well where you, you lose like trust for yourself. I know when this happened to me in my last relationship, I was like, wait a second. Like, I thought I was smarter than this. I thought I could read the signs better. I thought I could trust myself more. And and I, now I feel like I can't trust them, but I can't trust me. Did you have those feelings as well? Like who I didn't, I just didn't know who I was anymore. Exactly that. Exactly that. I remember being on my bedroom floor in absolute floods of tears, thinking to myself, who am I? Mm. Like, who am I? I, don't, I didn't even know what I enjoyed doing anymore. It yeah, was, I was the same. Honestly, and I woke up and I thought, how the hell have I got here? This isn't me. Like I'm the girl that left Manchester. I've flown around the world. I work for an amazing airline. I've got an incredible group of friends. I've got a new life and I've ended up back in a probably a worse situation than I've ever been in in my life. And 
I don't know what was going through in my mind back then. And this is why doing this work, I know people roll their eyes at self-development sometimes, but oh my goodness, if I hadn't have done this work, like continued with it, I can only imagine where I'll be now. Well, you'd you know? probably be in exactly the same patterns because that's what happens. We repeat the same patterns and then constantly ask ourselves, why are we back here? Well, if something doesn't change, then nothing ever changes. And that's, and that's really why. So how, so you obviously didn't go to New York. How did the relationship end? So we did go to New York. No. <laughs> Beth, you went I to know. New York. I am crying. What do you mean you went? I went to New York. It was my birthday and I was going to New York. Whether I was going to spend it with him or not, I was going to New York. And I remember getting there and we went out for a few drinks one night and something inside of me just clicked. And I was like, I need to leave this guy. This guy is not for me. Something just came over me to the point where you know when you know when you get the ick, but times ten. There was <laughs> yeah. there was this flood of Beck, you've got to get the hell out. So I remember FaceTiming my mum. He went to get us coffees and I was in the lobby on my own. I FaceTimed my mum and I said, Right, I said, I've got a plan. I said, I'm gonna get back. When I get home, he's going on exercise, he's gonna be away. So I'm gonna I think it was like four months he was meant to be going for. Thank so I said yes. <laughs> So I thought, right, I'm going to stay in the house for four months. I'm going to get another job. I'm going to save up as much as I possibly can. And I'm out. I'm done. But I'm not going to tell him this because it'll make my life hell. I just knew he would. So that was my plan. We flew home a day early because I blamed it on my staff travel saying, oh, we need to get back because we might get stuck. The weather, it was that storm grace and it was a really rough time in New York. We came back a day early. I was back in work two days after. And then I found out I was pregnant. No. I don't think I told you that. <laughs> you did. You did tell me that. Yeah, and I, I yeah. had the same reaction then as I had now because I forgot the rest of the story. Yeah, it was um, yeah, that was that was a day I will never forget. So <laughs> then I was like, okay, now what do I do? You know, it was And you just to bring clarity here you did you didn't want kids did you you don't want kids or you didn't at the time or you weren't sure this is the thing Vic and again I'll be honest here I go through this I don't want to go through life and not experience it but mm. I think situ my upbringing and my dad being in and out of my life the incidents with my stepdad I was very very sure and I always said to myself if I was to ever have a family I want that family unit. I want what I never had. Yeah. You know, like my mum was amazing. Thank God I had my mum because she's she has been my rock, regardless of what had happened. She she really was, but that's what I wanted. So when this hit me like an absolute ton of bricks, I remember sat there and I'm thinking, right, Beck, think. I was 30 years old at the time. Bear in mind, I'm only 36 now. It was only six, six to seven years ago. It wasn't a long time ago, really. And I remember sat there thinking, <clears throat> okay, what is it you want? What do you want out of life? And I'm thinking, I'm, I thought I was really old. I'm nearly 30. I thought I would have had a house by now. I thought I'd be happily married with a baby, maybe. I thought this life was what I was meant to be living. So <clears throat> I decided that I was keeping it and we were going to give it another go. But something kind of happened and he he went out one night and he didn't come home and he knew how upset I was because 
first of all, I was really poorly when I first found out I was pregnant. Like I was, I was sick and I was really sick. I think I'm one of the unlucky ones that gets really ill. And he left me and he went out for the night and didn't come home because he was on his, his lad's night out. And you know, when you just, you just need someone with you because it's a scary moment. You do. Of course you do. And not only that, but the anxiety of they're out and then it makes you feel like they don't care. Oh, it's just too much. I know that feeling so well. It was a lot. And um, he didn't come home. And then I woke up the next day and you know, when something like really clicks and you really hear something. And I had this voice in my head that was saying, you cannot, you cannot continue this. Like you can't. So I remember driving up back to Manchester to my mum's because obviously my mum knew everything. And I just said to her, I need to come home and I need to come home now because I am done. Like I'm done. So I was on my way to Manchester. I had no stuff with me. I literally just got in my car and drove. And he was texting me and he was like, oh, I can't wait to see you tonight. You know, I'm really hungover. Can we chill? Can we get a pizza? Can we do all of these things? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So at this point, I was like, no. I remember having a phone call with him and I said, I'm driving back to my mum's. I said, I've made my decision of what it is I want to do. Now, I know people don't agree with terminations and things like that, but I was scared, Vic. I was... I was so scared and I thought, I don't want to bring a baby into this because I know the the trauma that I've been through. And I thought if I was to have a baby, I'd want to give it my absolute everything and my all. And I'll be honest, I didn't feel I was going to be good at being a mum at that point because of all this mess that I was in. And I thought it was, I say this with, like, I found that having obviously finding out you're pregnant, it's a, it's a life-changing moment. It's like, it's not just you to think about, but I truly, truly believe now take this what you will, but I truly believe that I had to get pregnant to leave that relationship. I feel like it was this thing that happened to me because like I said, it wasn't just me. I had to think about, I had to think of something else. And I feel like it was my savior kind of thing. I know that sounds crazy. No, I mean, it's, it sounds completely understandable. I mean, and, and the thing is, nobody can know what you were like in that moment. Nobody can understand your thought process in that moment. And you did what was best for you and your future. And I fully respect that. Yeah, it was um, really challenging. It was, it, it was tough. I mean, it's not anything I ever wish on anybody, you know, and I mem- so I made my decision, I booked my appointment and he never saw me again. Wow. I just left. And you, to this, to this day, just yeah, divorce. But then the thing is when you go through things like this, so in my head, I, it was like I had a job to do then. I was like, right, I've got this. I've got the day off for my appointment. I'll deal with that. Then I'll deal with the house move. Then I'll figure out where I'm going to live. And then I'll sort everything out. So it was like I had a list of jobs to do mm. and you kind of get into that fight and flight response you know you 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 automatically operate from that place it was it was after that I had my absolute lowest of the lowest moments like it was actually nine months to the date after when I didn't feel right I was not in a good place and I I'll be honest I didn't want to be here wow and so what 
what happened on that day? I remember having these thoughts of thinking, I just want it to stop. I just want all of this to go. And it wasn't even the relationship with my ex that I went through. It wasn't even that. It was all of my past that I was going to say it was probably years and years and years of built up trauma from when you were 16 and it probably all compounded on that day where you just thought this is too much I I just can't do it anymore it was it was exactly that it was exactly that and that was when I started to then feel very bitter towards my mum and this is when shit kind of got real for me because I was like I do not want to feel like this like she's my everything you know she's the most beautiful kindest person I've ever I've ever known but when I started to have these feelings of how can you stay with somebody that has done this to me how can you Mm -hmm. be with somebody still and expect me to come home and be in that environment knowing what he did and all of this anger and sadness and everything like you said, it compounded. And I remember sat there and I, I was with my best friend at the time we were living together. She took me in for a few months to, until I like got myself sorted. And I just said, I can't not feel like this about my mum. Like that was my main driver at that time. It wasn't what I'd been through. It wasn't what had happened to me. It wasn't all my exes and everything else like that. It was, I cannot feel like this about my mum because she's my best friend. Mm-hmm. So that was when I then went into like therapy. I had counseling, I had CBT, I had EFT tapping, I had Reiki, you name it, I had it. Wow. And I guess I, I, I fully understand how you could have felt like that. And you're in a place before you do the healing work, usually where we're blaming and you know, justifying, well, this happened to me and this is this person's problem. And even though that possibly is true, because we don't choose to be put in certain situations when we're a child, the responsibility to do the work now is on us. Mm. And most people aren't brave enough to face it, to feel it. The amount of times I've had conversations with friends and they're like, no, 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 I don't want to go there. Or no, 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 I don't want to open Pandora's box. No, 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 no. I don't want to go to therapy because I don't know what's going to come out. Well, that's the whole point of it. Mm. And it's hard. You have to go through it. And the healing journey is not pretty, but it saves you in the following, you know, the future for you. So, you know, mate I just I want to commend you on doing the work and obviously I know you now and you're so amazing so what was that what was that healing journey like for you gosh um I know you're still still on the hill we're always on the journey we're always on the journey but I guess you're in that moment you're thinking these things you take responsibility for what you can control which is how you react and how you do the work and show up and heal where did it go from there so you're 30 and you're like this is it yeah so like I said I was having counseling and I found it you know I did find it helpful to a certain degree then then I decided what I wanted and 
that was when I threw myself into self-development. I've always kind of dabbled in it here and there. And, you know, you say your positive affirmations and you think positively. And that's what we think manifestation is. And now I know it's absolutely not. It's all about the vibration, right? Hmm. So I went on this little journey of my own and I was like, I'm going to get me back together. And I think when I found out that I had a load of credit card debt from him that wasn't mine, but I had to pay it off. Mm-hmm. I did all of the money mindset books and I was like, give me all of the information. Like, how can I dig myself? Because... I've never had a safety blanket. Like I've never been able to go to my mum and say, mum, I'm short of a hundred pound. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure she'd find it, but she's never had, I've never been brought up in with money. Like ever, we've always been, not, not that we've ever gone without, we've always had food on the table and a roof over our head, but it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, growing up, it was, it was hard. And I sat there thinking that is not my life. That is not who I am. And I'm choosing not to be. And it was just this push forward to see what I could get and how, what I could achieve. I thought, I like to say I've always been a high achiever, but I've I never thought I was driven until I look back and think, well, you must have been because you wouldn't have you wouldn't be here if you wasn't driven, you know. And when this journey kind of went on and on, and I then started to be feel like feel more confident about myself. I went on my own fitness journey. I went out dating again because I thought, you know, when people say, oh, you know, don't go dating straight away or don't do this and. I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. It was a couple of months. I, I wasn't ready. I'm not saying I was ready, but are you ever ready? Mm. I mean, no. I yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. And sometimes it's just to to rebuild the confidence and also just to know that there are other people out there. Mate, you don't have to go dating to find your next husband in the first three months, but you know, you can have a little bit of fun and exactly. you know, feel like a human and feel like a woman and have a good time and meet people. I mean, there's absolutely no right or wrong time. And that's exactly what I did. And I just went out. I had fun. I enjoyed myself. And it was only when I obviously then met my partner now, like Rico, like I, I'll be honest, I wasn't looking Vic. I, I couldn't think of anything worse. I remember, I remember having our first date and we were sat there having a few drinks and stuff. And I made it very, very clear. I did never want to, never wanted to get married. I don't want children. I'm not interested in that at all if that's what you're looking for I'm not your girl those were my words like I mean times change obviously because you grow and you evolve and you know you you think very differently when you're older but it wasn't pretty and um, it was a very up and down journey so I'd do a bit of work I felt like I was at rock bottom and then I'd be up up again I'm thinking oh I, I feel like I'm getting back to me again and then something had happened and I'd be triggered again and then I'm down again and I'm I'm like oh my god like when is this journey ever going to end and it was hand on heart only when I then became, I think it was just when the pandemic hit and I sat there and I thought, life is short. I I don't want to be working a nine to five job for the rest of my life. Like this is not my sole purpose. I have not been through all that shit to only go through that shit. Mm-hmm. And that was when I kind of went on, what is it I want to do? And I was on my own fitness journey. Like I said, I had an co- online coach at the time. I was getting amazing results. I felt incredible. I felt confident and I thought, this is it. I want to be a health coach. I want to do the PT. And I went down that road. Then I very soon discovered that that wasn't the path for me. And that was when I came across like mindset. But when I say, don't just mean like the general mindset, but really studying to be like, obviously I do timeline therapy. And that was only when, when I came across that, when I had my own personal journey of timeline therapy, that was when I really healed my my journey because it was the one time where I could speak to my stepdad and have a relationship with him without feeling all of this anger and sadness. Um, and 
it was when I trained in it, I thought this is impactful. Like I, I'm here to help other people because I know that feeling and you, you don't have to be there. You don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, we've obviously done some work together, which has been so helpful for me as well. And, and you're absolutely phenomenal at what you do. And I think as well, being, going into that space of, you know, NLP or, or timeline therapy or, or mindset coaching, when you've been through it yourself, when you have overcome particular triggers and traumas and all of the things, it makes you that much better as a coach. And I, I know a lot of coaches out there that say they're a coach, but they've never been through it. I'm like, you don't, you have to understand it. You have to have been on the journey to fully comprehend and have an understanding and a perspective of what it looks like to be at rock bottom, to have all of these things in your past and to truly go through the work, like go through it. And I think that's why you're so amazing at what you do and why people get so, so many great results from you and why you're so successful in business. So when you say that you spoke to your stepdad, did you actually speak, have a conversation with him or was it more of the you know, we, sometimes in therapy, we have that conversation with them without them being there. Did you speak to him about it? Yeah. Wow. And this is, a, it kind of gave me this whole new, like, lease of confidence because I thought I cannot keep brushing this under the carpet because as a family growing up for so long, it was brushed under the carpet. It wasn't spoken about and it became the norm. Now, knowing what I know now, that is not the norm. But knowing what I know now in terms of people behavior, how they're programmed. And this is where I came from a lot of forgiveness. Like I, to this day, forgive my stepdad. I forgive my mom, like to a point where I never thought I could because I was choosing to hold on to this, but I did, you only know what you know. And I didn't know that there was another way. I didn't know I was in control of my own thoughts. I didn't know I was in control of my own emotions. And again, that's why this work is so important. So even to this day, I am able to have a conversation. I'm able to go and visit my mom and not feel this, this pain anymore because I've let it go. And so much of the healing is for, for us to be able to live that kind of life, you know, and I think holding on to that resentment, people think I don't want to forgive that person, but it's not for them. It's for us so that we can go through life feeling a certain way about about people and ourselves you know with my last relationship I didn't it was obviously nothing like that and things happen in every relationship but I had to like forgive me and forgive for me so that I could love again and I could move into another relationship when the time was right and so that I could live my life it was nothing to do with him And that's really important. So I want to ask if somebody is listening to this podcast and they're feeling either resentment or they're in a place of why me, or they're in a place of you did this to me. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a a job. Maybe it's something that happened in their past with their parents. And they're holding on to this mindset of woe is me how could they do that, you know, which is absolutely understandable at any point in time. And they're wanting to move forward. 
they're wanting to get out of that place, where would you, where would you start with them? Or what would your advice be to somebody who just can't move from that place of what's happened to them and go into the space of healing? I'd say, get curious. Mm -hmm. I'd say, get curious on you, get curious on what is triggering you question yourself. Like, why are you choosing to feel this way? Now, circumstances happen we can't stop circumstances happening to us but what we can do is control how they impact our future so my personal advice would be surround yourself with people that are going to raise your vibration and make you think in a different way there are so many different modalities out there you've just got to find what is right for you like you it's a shame because people wait until they're at a point, me included, where I didn't have any other choice but to get help. I was that low. We wait until we are at absolute rock bottom. And I say this all of the time. I When I work with clients especially and I can feel their pain, I can see it. And, I'm, and sometimes they don't want to go through this process because, again, it's the fear of the unknown. They do feel like they're going to open Pandora's box. And... It's just that point of thinking, don't wait until you're at rock bottom, mm-hmm. like do it now because <clears throat> it's a hell of a lot easier to drag yourself back up than going further down the hole. Yeah. And I, I was always, you know, talking about Pandora's box. I was always somebody that was like, what you don't know doesn't hurt you. That was kind of my mindset in life. Like, oh, well, if I didn't know that he cheated, it wouldn't hurt me. Or I didn't know that someone felt this way about me, so it won't hurt me. And it was a very naive and I guess fear, fearful, scared, scared mindset to be in. I didn't want to know because I didn't want to feel it. And looking back, you getting curious and asking the questions is what you need sometimes to make decisions and to move yourself forward and to solidify where you are and who you want to be and, and, So I just want to encourage people if they are in a situation like you do want to know, you do want to know so that you can know what work you need to do and and be on the right path. Yeah. And I truly believe that our goal in life is to grow. We're not meant to live an unhappy life. That's not our purpose. And I think when you, like I said, get curious on yourself, that's all I've ever done. That is, and I'll always continue to be, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm still unraveling a lot of work and probably past trauma. I mean, I've cleared a lot of it up from where I used to be, but there are still things to this day that, you know, come up and I'm like, oof, why did that bother me? Because people blame other people, right? I did it for years, very victim mindset. They've made me feel a certain way. I used to say, oh, my stepdad has made me angry. He's made me upset. He's made me this, he's made me that. Nobody makes you do anything. We choose. And because we've had this thought process for so long, it's easy for our mind to go down that path. You know, it's when you have to try and change it. The problem is changing it is hard. That's why people end up stuck in that situation. But you've just got to get curious, question yourself and think, what kind of life do I want to live? And it's thinking of the opposite. There's, all, there's the law of polarity, right? And law of opposites, it's a universal law. So what, what comes up must come down and vice versa. So it's understanding that the way you're feeling at the moment, it, it, that too shall pass if you do the work. Oh my gosh. I could honestly talk to you all day. I just like, I love this. Like I love the growth. I love the healing. I love the uncomfort. I love 
walking through those moments. So I want to ask a few questions while I have you about things. So obviously, you know, no one can make us feel a certain way, but the reality is that they often do, right? The reality is that we hand our power over people, over to people all the time, whether that's work, kids, relationships, whoever. How, what are some tools as a coach that you would recommend to somebody, like let's say a client who's having trouble taking their power back from whatever situation it is, um, and they're finding themselves constantly sort of triggered or um, in a place of handing that over to somebody. What I mean, I don't know if that's even a question that you can answer in one in one go. But what are some tools? Is it take a breath? Is it put on a meditation? What What are the things that you would recommend? So obviously, you've got your generic modalities. You know, you've got your breath work. You've got your meditation journaling is a massive one of mine you know you've got all of the the coaching coaching tools if you like personally if it was me and this kept happening and kept coming up it means you're not clear on your vision I always sit there and think if I've got a clear vision and I know who I want to be I know what I want out of life and you are very extremely clear on that you have to get reconnected to your vision because a lot of people end up in this point and it's like, well, it's easier said than done. It's not so easy because they react this way and they react that way. I I, I get that. But sometimes it, it is a mirror. So what is got like perception is projection. So sometimes it's not about the other person. It can be sometimes to do with us internally, like what is coming up for us where we're not addressing it. Do we need to become stronger? Do we need to do the work on in some area? But also for them, Like if it's with another person and they're feeling triggered, then ask, you know, it's, it's why, again, I always say you got to get curious because if, if you don't get curious, you're never going to get an answer and it's knowing and making a decision. We struggle making decisions like adults do. We always struggle making decisions. How many times do you hear somebody else say, what do you think I should do? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we struggle making a decision. So if you've made that decision that you are, going to take your power back you are going to be this person I'm not saying it's going to be like that every single day of course we're human you know we have to process the trauma we have to process the emotions but if you're reconnecting back to your present self and where it is you want to be in the future you just have to keep building that momentum and building that muscle to keep on going because then you're going to thrive because being the call in NLP we say it's a cause and effect so if we're at effects that's when we're blaming other people again like giving your power away you become very unempowered, where if you're at cause and you're kind of working with the situation, you know, you're taking your power back. And that is when you get results because you become empowered and then you become driven to get the outcome that you want to want to get. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love these conversations. Honestly, I miss being able to just go for our morning walk and talk all of these things. So before we finish up, you obviously had many becoming her reinventions as we've spoken about this whole episode. And so what's next for you? You're in a beautiful relationship. I love Rico. I think you guys are beautiful together. And you started your coaching NLP business. You obviously started your network marketing business with me, which I'm so grateful for. You're, you've got your own podcast. Like what's what's the the next 
thing? What's the next moment for you for becoming that next level version of Beck? Oh, Vic, my goals are huge. So I've noticed that I've been setting goals very, very small. I've been playing small for a long time. Mm-hmm. And when I started setting my goals and what it is I want out of life, like I'm going to be completely honest and transparent. I'm going to share it on here because I do believe in that accountability side of it. But my next version of me is becoming the top of our network marketing business. That yeah. is that is my I, want I feel like I maybe want. you thought you had to say that because I'm on the call, but I believe that for you more than anything. I mean, you know how much I believe in you every single day. I tell you how capable and strong and what an amazing leader you are. I know for certain that that's going to happen. I just love the growth that comes with it. I love everything about it. And, and it's, you're helping other people. You're helping other people. It's not just about the sales and all of the network marketing techniques and things like that. It's, it's the person you become in business. Like my goodness, starting, if you want to do any self-development, start a freaking business because it will shake you up. Like you wouldn't believe and you have to do things like completely outside of your comfort zone. So we're obviously um, growing our podcast and our membership as well. So that is going in a very, very, very good direction. Obviously, I've got my one-on-one coaching and I, you know, I will be taking on more clients um, on the Empower Her program in January because that's a lot around like timeline therapy and things. But my vision is just working towards everything that I'm doing, but showing up like I'm her now. Like that's the difference that I've been doing recently. I love that. Act as if. So show up as the version of you that, you are striving to be. I love that so much. So before we finish up, season two of the podcast is here. Um, And so I decided that every guest I had on for season two, I would ask one final question, one final becoming her question um, based on everything that you've learned. So if you could give advice to your younger self based on everything that you've been through, what would the number one thing that you would say is? I'd say know that you are made for more that would be my number one I love it you are made for more Beck. I am so grateful for you I tell you every day this business brings the most amazing people into your life I couldn't imagine not being friends and working with you I am so proud of you I you know I've heard I've heard most of your story before um but really hearing the in-depth and knowing who you are now and how strong and independent and powerful you are as a woman in business, but in life as well, it just blows my mind. And I think, you know, that resilience that you built, you chose to do the work, you chose to show up when you didn't have to, and a lot of people wouldn't. And I just see so much light for you. So I just want to thank you for being open and vulnerable and raw for our listeners today. I'm sure I know that everyone took so much away. I mean, there were some funny moments, but there were also some very real moments too. And I'm so grateful. So I am going to put all of Beck's information into the show notes, how to work with her one-on-one, her podcast her Instagram so that you guys can follow her. She puts the most amazing content up, adds lots of value on all of her social platforms. And Beck, I'm just so grateful for you. I'm so proud of who you are. And I'm just thank you so much for being on the Becoming Her podcast. Thank you so much, Vic. Honestly, I, I am so grateful for you. You're like, honestly, like a little fairy godmother to me and you've just been the best mentor. So thank you so much.
All right, guys, we will see you on the next episode of Becoming Her. Thank you so much.